Hello, hello. It is your girl, your fave. I am Lacey P, the podcast, Conversations with I am Lacey P, the podcast, and we are back with yet another phenomenal episode. On this episode, we have the truly gifted, anointed, God-blessed man of God, a man of integrity and stands on his morals and ethics. His name is Greg Brinkley, and we are so happy to have him on the podcast today. He wrote an incredible book. I highly recommend that you get this book. It is Uncivilized, How Government Workers Behave and What to Do to Help Them. Um, I'm telling you, this book has blessed my life because in my day today, I'm a government and worker. Plus, I hold uh, PTJ, a.k.a. the part-time job, uh, because I'm a government worker. And so, uh, we're just so pleased to have him on the podcast today. Greg, tell everyone hello. Everybody, how you doing? All right. So, we're going to get right on into this thing. Now, if you are a government worker or you know someone that's a government worker, you tell them to come on out and listen to this here podcast on this great day of Monday, November 14th, 2022. We're actually a week away from Thanksgiving or a week in a few days. I can't wait myself. But anywho, um, the first question is, why is it that the government is so very slow? I mean, absolutely slow as a snail walking on sand, slow in helping the public. I think there's layers to it. I think that there is a perception about government workers that actually precedes them and is really based on history. It is really the prevailing idea that government workers are slow. That's not to say that all government workers are slow. All of them are not slow. I know some people who was dance circles around even people in the private sector, but there are layers to this. One of those layers is the overwhelming bureaucracy in government, uh, rules, policy, regulations, protocol, and even basic quote unquote best practices. So being in, having been in government for as long as I have and, and in the social security disability space, this was something that I saw firsthand with people who were not as diligent in their work, but I also saw those who were very diligent in their work, yet running into these obstacles of getting their work done. And those obstacles are not always self-imposed. There were there were uh, issues that that were handed down from the top, or they were handed down from the side or they rose from the bottom. So there's there's layers to this. I would say that um, the person who goes into a government office off the street or calls a national 800 number or files a claim online or has some contact with the government official may get the impression that the person is slow if they're not moving at the speed that they would like for that government worker or civil servant to operate on that's 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 a, that's an aside because that will happen in any any uh, work sector you're going to have 
people who and, and this really is a function of our our society. I agree. Yeah, because our society is so um I don't want to say attention deficit because I think that is actually uh, smearing people who have a literal ADHD diagnosis. Right. But the fact is our society is so focused on having things now. It's this immediate gratification gratification the microwave mentality micro, micro, micro mentality exactly and and as a result people want their situation to be taken care of right away and even in the disability world there are things that mitigate against getting things done quickly even though the mission from Social Security's perspective, is to do things e- efficient, timely, and in a thorough manner. Correct. However, the real world, <laughs> not just in Social Security, but in other the uh, federal the practicalities, the actual moving from theory to praxis. Correct. Is things are going to take time. You can't have quality and speed and accuracy all at the same time. Oh. Something's going to drop. Correct. It's gonna, it's gonna be too late a stool. <laughs> You're right. Life in government is maybe always a three legged stool, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are moments where you think that you got A, B, and C, and D done, mm-hmm. and then after a review, you're really only at B. Yeah. And you're like, oh my god, we just did. We just we just called the client. We just called. The person that is the uh, the caretaker of the client, and then we also had to call the person that's over the insurance policy. And you mean to tell me that the caretaker has dropped out and they have a new caretaker, mm-hmm. and that means we have to start all of this review over again? We were it it they, it it's usually takes ninety days. We were at day eighty nine, and you mean that on day eighty nine they dropped out? It's there are stories I could tell. People. Yeah, yeah, we we put them together to do another book. My God, <laughs> indeed. But I will say this: that that you brought up an excellent point about what happens behind the scenes. Yes. I I now I started a business in disability consulting, and what I'm doing with the clients who are applying for Social Security disability insurance is I'm telling them this is a marathon. This is not for the soft. No. This is not for the impatient. No. And this is not for the rude. No, it is not. You have to you have to attack this like a marathon. There are going to be twists and turns. There are going to be stretches where you may not hear anything. You have to stay the course. Yes. Because the fact is, as the sausage is being made, there are going to be shifts. And to your point, Lacey, about um, you know having a case shift... Uh, uh, be transferred from one person to the next. That right. happens. Someone gets sick. Someone leaves the job. Well, that case goes to somebody else, and they have to start from where that person left off, try to figure out where the case is, mm-hmm. and then fill in the blanks of what that person did or did not do. Correct. Look, people, in the world of government, the sun doesn't always shine in the valley. It's usually when you're at the beginning of the mountaintop where it begins to shine. But when you're in the dark pits of the valley trying to learn the processes and the rules and regulations of where to go, baby, it's dark and when you about to come out of <laughs> the it, hell is hot. it's real it's really high, okay? <laughs> so uh be patient with us. 
we are definitely we are definitely trying as a people as a pol- as a as an agency or multiple agencies to to truly help you. Uh, my next question is now the government they they say they want to have changes and they say they want to move forward and they want to encourage creativity but hate change that is an oxymoron tell us an experience that you can that you can uh tell us uh with without uh putting your integrity and morals and and all of that in 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 jeopardy can you tell us a time where you know your 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 supervisor or management uh encouraged creativity and when you came back with an idea they was like oh no my god we cannot do that this is wrong because of policy and well you know because of the regulation and the doj and all of this stuff give us an example i can go on and on about this because i was one of those people who always had ideas on how things can be better and early on in my career um i i i had that mindset and ran into roadblocks I actually talk about one in the book uh, where I noticed as a team leader there were so many disability analysts who were having issues man- managing the cases and this is and this is an ongoing thing very much and, so and it's not just social security disability but it's in every every other um government entity of course definitely just, DFPS HHSC yeah notorious for absolutely and people have high pendings, high caseloads, um, and they're robbing for Peter to pay Paul to get things done. But there are some situations where people are not effective in what they're doing because they haven't used the tools or don't know about the best practices or just blew off a refresher training. Definitely. One of the stories in the in your book talks about an older lady that had been working for City Transit for quite some time and mm-hmm. gave it her all and because uh, of the job demands she ended up you know with a few health issues and she would call and ask about her case and ask about her case but then there was there were no callbacks there were no emails no uh, system sex messages or anything uh, she ended up getting behind on her rent. She ended up getting behind on her car note. Her car got repossessed. She had to move with her daughter to another state. Uh, so everything that she knew, she lost yeah. due to the failure of someone else in the system. Can you please talk about that for us? Yeah, and I'll I'll marry it with the last question. I think my example brings oh, that out. Oh, for sure, definitely. So, so there is, I'll put it this way. It's not as linear as people think. It's not just if this happened, this person was lazy and didn't do what they were supposed to do, and pushed this woman off, you know, kicked her to the curb, and and now, you know, she has to appeal her decision because right. this person didn't do his or her job right. Yeah, that's not always a neatly packaged. It is not. Yeah, it it is know, sloppy as Joe. Yeah. It, it, I'm talking about the actual oh, context of oh yes. what's happening. Oh, yes. So it's not always this person is lazy. It There are a lot of factors that play into how this case actually gets done. Yes. And, yeah, there are some lazy people. I've seen them. I had to train them. 
I've had to mention them. I had to save them from their jobs. Yes, yes. But but there are people who are trying to do the job right, but run into roadblocks because um, because of the nature of getting disability. Yeah. So so it's not always black and white. It is not. Yeah. So um, that's why I believe government wants to invite creativity. But I think it's really a case of the government wanting their cake and eating it too. They mm-hmm. want to they want to be creative. Oh yeah. But they want to hold on to what they know. Right. And what they know is this policy we put so much work into, these regulations that we've done a lot of research on, we're trying to protect that. But if that policy that that you put together in 1980 or that policy uh, became a, a, uh, ineffective in 1990. Mm-hmm. Here we are, almost in 2023, so almost 33 years later, and we're still using a policy that's ineffective, which is is uh, which is not allowing uh, the lady or multiple people who's mm-hmm. trying to get disability something that they earned. Hopefully, wouldn't have to use, but yet earned mm-hmm. because they dedicated themselves to this particular job for all of these years and now it's like oh y'all don't care about me yeah y'all are not trying to help me but really it's because of that ineffective policy yeah and then when you try to introduce new policies whether it's to your management your uh, uh, executive leadership and then your, your your executive leadership or where you work has to go argue with state office mm-hmm. about getting this done and then state office has to go argue with your state legislator and legislator has to go argue with the federal government mm-hmm. and then it depends on who's lobbying who mm-hmm. and what I've learned in government there is no permanent friends there is p- no permanent enemies but what is permanent is the interest, interest right and so we're, well, you have a whole nation dealing with permanent interest yeah. and it's sad but my disability may depend on someone else's permanent interest yeah it's yeah. horrible yeah and, and that's why for someone like me who came into government um, got in from the, literally from under the total pole and then knew I had a lot more to offer and work my way up the chain. Mm-hmm. And, 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 uh, and along the way, got a lot more understanding about the culture that I was working in. Right. It allowed me to know where the pockets were. Right. So in the book, I talk about um, this, this um, performance training that I created, a KCMPT clinic. And... Um, and my my um, my supervisor Manuel Manuel uh, Oaxaca, great you know, military uh, veteran, but 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 really had um, an open mind, and we really worked well together. You know that's I, rare for military. People. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. So I presented him the idea. He said, you know, and he knew because we we're work. I was I was the team leader assigned to him, nice. and I was working with the analysts, and he's of course been supervising them. Right. And he saw it and said, I, you know, look, it's great, do a um, prospectus, get all, I did all of that, mapped it all out, I had it, it all locked up. Leading the charge. Exactly. And he knew that he had to get buy-in from the branch chief and the other section chiefs, um, which he was one. And it was interesting because 
they said, we love it, but we want to determine who goes in. See? And I said, if that happens, you can count me out. Period. Because it's not gonna work. It's not. It's not. You're already you're already creating uh controversy and and, and um um there, I'm I'm at a loss for words, but you're already creating drama mm-hmm. from something positive. Yeah. And it wasn't necessarily dr- drama film. Right, right. It's never but it was but it was really about them being able to dictate the terms yeah. of Who's in, admission. who's out. Exactly. And I said, no, I have to have full control. Correct. Of course, my 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 section chief, Manuel, of course, he was working, you know, to, to oversee it right. with me. Mm-hmm. But he said, this is going to be your baby. You're going to run this. Right. And I said, you're telling me something I already know. <laughs> Correct. Period. And, and it had blank. to be that way. I had, I, I had, as a matter of fact, one of the parts of the, of the training was I needed to pick my own coaches. They wanted to send people they wanted Mm-mm, who were mm-hmm. looking for a promotion. Or yeah, because they're trying to get clout. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is they, not about clout, people. Right. We're, if we're talking about helping our analysts become more proficient in right. the job, I need to have a sense of knowing that the people that I have on board as coaches know their stuff. That's right. Ironically, ironically, all the people that I had as coaches, are about five or six of them. All women. Hey, because you know women, we get, <laughs> we get it done. We and get it, it done. And it wasn't that I was choosing specifically women. It was the fact that for what it's worth, mm-hmm. and that's not taking anything away from the analysts who were men. Male, right. Because some of them did great work. Excellent. But I wanted the cream of the crop. Correct. And I was already looking out for not just you know what your numbers look like, but also what else they brought to the table. Right, it's not it's just skills. It's yeah. not just the dot on the canvas. It's the overall picture. Mm-hmm. And being a team leader, I knew what their work was. I knew what everyone else's work was because I was a team leader. I reviewed in line right. cases, so I already know. I already knew what the quality was. So, so to your, to answer your question, um, that was an experience that I had that helped put context to the book in understanding that government still wants to have their cake and eat it too. They want creativity. They have you know, little contests and whatnot to say, okay, submit your idea. We'll give you this and that. But at the end of the day, where does that go? Right. And what does it look like? Right. Again, we're talking about uncivilized, how government workers behave and what to do to help them with Greg Brinkley. A great conversation thus far. Uh, we're going to move on to the next one, though. Um, why is it re- why is it that they want to retain and recruit staff the government, but they do not want to pay? I mean, I could see if you had some high school students that were working as interns, twenty five hundred a month as a high school student. Or a uh, or college student who's taking fourteen or sixteen hours a semester, and they're getting paid twenty five hundred dollars a month. Mm-hmm. That's fine. I mean, because you're in college, so you're kind of in the real world, but not just yet. Yeah. But for somebody that has a full fledged college degree, 
uh, or you've been working in government for so long and you only trying to pay me $2,500 a month and my rent is already $1,800 a month and I'm already paying 9 to 10% in retirement, you've already left me at a negative $200 in my account. Why is it so hard for the government to pay people what they're worth? Because in the private sector, if you're a CNA, now you're making, depending on where you work, you're in the experience that you have, you're making between $27 and $30 an hour. For, and that's just for eight hours. And, it, and people don't mind doing overtime. They don't want to always have to do it. You know, because what happens if my mama gets sick and I'm up here doing a, a 10 or 12 hour shift because my coworker just simply decided not to come in. Yeah. Nothing personal was going on with them that you are that you know of that uh you've been informed of. They just they just decided not to come into work. Yeah. Talk about that and the the how that plays not just with uh you physically but mentally on your mind. Yeah, I think there is a level in this particular topic that we are really not equipped to address. And that is because um, at the office level, at the region level, and so on, there's only so much that can be controlled about salaries. Mm -hmm. Now, I worked at the in the state of California, I worked with them for 16 years, mm -hmm. and I moved over to the federal government for the remaining 10 plus years of my career. Mm -hmm. Now, when I was, was a, sta a state worker, mm -hmm. I can recall having to do payroll advances because the expenses that I had on a monthly basis, and I got paid monthly. Right was my, my my month was longer than my money right you know? and I and that was me trying to you know eke out something to sustain myself Amen. having to take other measures like right. you know for sure the family you know that for sure so so um I believe that there is something that can be said about um the government understanding or even to some degree being sensitive enough to know and be aware of the gap that inflation creates. Yes. So, yes. so for instance, uh, when I was with the state, uh, with the federal government, mm -hmm. I was working in California for all those years except for the last two. Right. California has the highest cola rate in the nation. Please speak it's on almost 30, it's, I think it's almost 40%. Please speak on what COLA is for my so audience. So COLA is the cost of living adjustment. For instance, um, I was getting a salary. My salary was 84000 a year. That's great. Yeah. But what the government, what the federal government does, they can also augment that with a cost of living increase as a part of your salary on top of what your actual salary is. So I was really getting six figures in my right, job. Right. Because of the cost of living bump. And then also you in California and most 
in most states except maybe seven, they all have state income tax on top of yeah. federal income tax. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so that that's another layer to it because now there's the the tax issue, there's the inflation issue. Yes. And then, as you spoke about in your question, there's a quality of life component to that yes. as well. Yes. The the work life balance that that um that kind of not kind of but it it actually increases the degree of difficulty. Yes. In earning, because yes. now a person who uh, may, under normal inflationary circumstances, right, be able to not just earn on a forty-hour work week, but they can also save, they yes. can also invest. Yes, but those things are out the window when inflation takes a hike. Man, and in California. In where I was from the Bay Area. Oh yeah, for sure. Silicon Valley and, and San Francisco. It's a wrap like a present. Exactly. And I can go deeper than that because even in Oakland, Oakland was the last bastion of of affordability. Right. It because definitely was. Silicon Valley was moving further and further out to to um, the uh, suburbs, the other region. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the suburbs. And Oakland was not the place they were trying to go until things changed and they said, "Oh, Oakland's affordable." Let's go. So just justification. Kind of. Oh, for sure. So, so there's layers to this, but but again, the federal government uh, and state governments mm-hmm. and city governments mm-hmm. are not, um, in my opinion, yeah, able to understand the magnitude mm-hmm. of what. A salary that does not move with the rate of inflation causes on people. Now, I would say that there are some, you know, some uh, limits to what they can do, right? It's based on the budget that they have. Oh yes, that and, budget. Yeah, and and that's another discussion, and it's a discussion that I'm really not equipped to deal with anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will speak from your perspective, but my perspective as a former worker who mm-hmm. worked at the state level and the federal level. Who had to go to payroll advances? Who had to do that and try to go to school on top of that, and multiple times. Yeah. Who had to uh, to um, uh, do ministry on top of that? Yes. Yes. And get paid as 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 um, yes. you know, on, on salary. Right. You know that with was a family. A big, that was a big help with a family. So so with all that, it for my my experience was a lot to manage. Yes, it is. But. You know, God saw me through all that. Amen. With my own issues. Amen. But the fact is, everybody is not as blessed as that. You're right. You're definitely right. Uh, Favor is not fair. That's for sure. But we thank God for his uh, sustainability and keeping us, especially during this pandemic. Absolutely. Uh, Can we talk about why is it that as a country, as a nation... You know, it's written in the Constitution that we have the right to assemble and protest. And, uh, you know, but as a government worker, no matter your realm, you have to work even when the government shuts down. Because the public is still is still needing your services, whether you're drawing disability, whether you're working in uh, uh, state-supported living centers, whether you're working at state hospitals, Tell us about that and how that affected you. And you had a family to support 
But there was no money coming in doing these these shutdowns. I was working with the federal government in 2013 when they had the government shutdown. Mm-hmm. And I had been through different situations with the state mm-hmm. where there was a budgetary crisis. It almost seemed like it was an annual thing in California. Yes. It was a budget crisis. Yeah. And you know, I remember Greg Davis, who was the uh, the governor, governor at the time, mm-hmm. basically lost his job because of how he handled a particular situation Man. with the budget. So um, in 2013, um, we got past the into the fiscal year, knew there was, wasn't going to be any funding because Congress was going to hold it up. Right. So we had to uh, go through furloughs. Now, mind you, as you just mentioned in your question, mm-hmm. being in Social Security Disability, we provide an essential service. Yes. Which required us to continue working on furlough status. Right. Which meant that we were not going to get paid. Right. Ain't no gas, getting in the car. Yeah, yeah. We were going to be working basically for free. Now, um, thankfully we had some savings Amen. to kind of help help us combat that yeah to kind of offset it but but that was a struggle thankfully it didn't last as long as we thought it would oh excellent so it didn't last throughout you know I think they signed a continuing resolution amen the congress did yeah to make sure that okay we're gonna uh, extend this out make sure we get people paid amen um but that is an unsettling situation for any government worker on any level. Right. When Definitely you know that, sure. yeah, when you know the budget that is supposed to be supporting you and your family, and you join and you and you got a job with the government, thinking that there was job security with your salary and everything else, pension, what otherwise, now is is in a ten in a, in a uh, tenuous situation. Right, because the military doesn't get paid, and these are the folks that help defend our borders and other borders in other places. Right. And so now that's stifling operations, uh, whatever the situation is they got going on, well, can't no bullets go, can't no, mm-hmm. can't no bombs go, mm-hmm. and all of these things, and God bless the military because, woo, y'all different breed of people. Yeah. Yeah, no. So we thank the Defense Department and uh, every effort that they do to make sure that our country and uh, people that are disadvantaged in other places of the world uh, get freedom in whatever capacity that looks like. Yeah. Uh, this is going to be the end of part one of conversations with I am lazy. Already? P. Yeah, let's just get warm. I mean, you know, <laughs> we was just getting into that thing. But uh, I definitely encourage everyone to get uncivilized how government workers behave and what to do to help them by greg brinkley this is a fantastic book uh can you tell them how you how you can be reached uh the book uncivilized is on amazon so you can go to amazon and get the book there um i i am presently doing disability consulting so for those individuals who are in need of assistance in navigating the social security disability process Mm -hmm. they can go to gregbrinkley.org backslash disability and they can pick up my new book come on new book yes the book is entitled the 10 disability commandments come on 10 disability uh, commandments i look forward to reading that book as well and also uh having him back on uh for probably a part one and two 
when that book comes out. Again, this is Conversations with I Am Lacey P. I am your host, Lacey P. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, whether it is in the morning, evening, or night in which you're re- listening to this podcast taping. Thank you so much. And as I tell all my listeners, if you're not going to be good, please be careful. And don't call me because I'm a government worker. I can only pray for you because I am a Christian. I love you all. Thank you for listening and have a great day.